I V V all questions and it's a nits and it now week finger flick. Know that I watch most relate ASL. I kiss fist. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to what, what the, the deaf podcast. So I bet you just listened to that and it made absolutely no sense, right? So we were signing in ASL and our voiceover actually voiced in exact ASL. So I'll let you listen again, but this time the voiceover will be in English. Let's go. Hey, so I was going through all the questions submitted this week and psh, wow. I know. And I saw that most of them talked about ASL. I loved it. See, see the difference? Huge difference. Two completely different languages that were structured differently. Usually when a hearing person reads something that has been written by a deaf person whose primary language is ASL, they think that they're uneducated, which is not true because ASL and English are two completely different languages. So I thought this episode would be a great time for us to dig deeper because we get a lot of questions talking about ASL. And we even had our own beautiful discussion about our journeys and how we learned English and ASL and how they both align with each other. Yeah. And if you noticed in the first take of this intro video, we said things like VV and kiss this and finger flick. Again, in ASL, there's no real English term for those signs, but we can kind of elaborate and explain to you what they sort of mean, right? So for example, Carly signed kiss this. If I had to find an English word to describe that, I would say love or really love or maybe favorite, but defining kiss fist, it's a visual because I'm literally kissing my fist. So again, it's kind of an ASL deaf joke, not a joke, but it's, it's our word. Yes. So deaf people have ASL or deaf jokes. It doesn't really make sense in English, but same with English idioms. They make absolutely no sense to me. Yeah, like it's raining cats and dogs. Okay, where are the cats and dogs? Yeah, where? <laughs> cat got your tongue? Why can't it be a cow? <laughs> <laughs> Why is it cats? I think that's more of a joke than the idiom itself. <laughs> and so for that, that's our version of idioms. So like VV, it's the same concept. There's so many English terms that I can use for it, but one sign fits all of that. So VV is more of like interesting story or, oh, or yeah, interesting. That's the best way to describe it. It's not perfect and it's not pretty unless you sign it in ASL. It's definitely more pretty and it makes more sense. Yeah. So that's why some hearing people, when they start learning ASL, they haven't really gotten to that point where they can play with the language. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, nope, I got to wait until they really dive into ASL. And then we can start playing with the language. <laughs> it's just really interesting. And same thing with CODAs, children of deaf adults. My sister's actually a CODA because my parents are deaf. So it's always been fun to watch her journey of learning sign language, which signing is her primary language. And then she learned how to talk in school. And for her to hear some of the terms that sound very similar with her signing, it makes it more confusing. And it's so fun to watch that because I have five nieces and nephews who also are bilingual with signing and talking. And so sometimes I'm like, what on earth did you just say? 
And then I'm like, oh, okay, because they're applying their signs to the English words that they hear. So a perfect example of this is my sister. One day, my sister decided that she wanted to tell a joke to my parents. And my parents were like, what? And so she said, oh, I'm joking. But joke sounds like choke. So she signed, I'm choking. So you can only imagine my parents' reaction. They're like, freaking my out. daughter. And we want to be the Heimlich. <laughs> right. And then they're like, oh, you meant you were joking. And so it's amazing to watch kids who are hearing, but ASL is their primary language and their journey of learning English and signing and how to apply one language to the other. That's so interesting. I never thought about it like that. And for me growing up in a hearing family, so my first access to language was English and the spoken language and writing. And it wasn't until I went into elementary school in second grade. And that's when I learned sign language. But it's because my teachers spoke and signed. So how I learned was watching my teachers speaking and signing at the same time. It's also called SimCom. That is how I was able to pick up sign language. So did you actually take an ASL class or did you just learn based on your auditory and visual receptive skills? Well, in elementary school, I did both receptive skills. In middle school, I had an interpreter. It wasn't until I got into high school that I took an ASL class. But then I went into Gallaudet University and that's when I really realized, oh, I learned ASL. That's interesting. Well, for me, I came from a deaf family. And so I was already born to the language, just like a hearing baby that's born. Parents automatically start talking to them and that's how they learn to speak while I visually learned how to sign for my parents. And that's how I picked up ASL. English, I learned from school. Obviously, everyone has to take an English course every year. And that's how I learned. But the journey of translating from ASL to English was quite a challenge and such a different experience. And I think that's different for everyone. Like you mentioned, you had never taken an ASL class until what you got into Gaeta University. And that's when you learned the foundations of ASL, which is a bummer because if ASL was provided for deaf kids to be able to learn their own language rather than just using the language, but they're able to understand the foundation and everything within the language would they be able to apply that to other languages better? I never took an ASL class myself until I got to Gallaudet at university too, even though ASL is my language, but I just use it with my family at home and at school. That's interesting because you said we have to learn English, the structure. We have to learn different ways to word things. It's the same thing with ASL. It's our native language. We should also learn the structure and the history behind it. And many people ask where ASL comes from or why you sign that sign. And really, we were never taught the history until I went to Gallaudet. Right. And that would make a huge difference if we actually learned that at a younger age. And so I guess I'm curious, what's your journey with learning both languages, if you can remember what it's like for you? Really for me, English was uh, not easy, but not hard. One of the biggest things that I struggled with were tenses. That presence in past tense, I always had difficult times with, but I did struggle with ASL more. 
Growing up in elementary school and high school, I signed more English, if that makes sense. It was more word for word. For example, in the beginning of our episode, we showed you our translation of the phrase where some of the words were flip-flopped. And for me growing up, I was more word for word that followed the standard English structure. So a perfect example of ASL. If you were to sign, I am going to the store. In ASL, you would sign store, I go. While word for word, you would sign, I go to the store. You actually add in those specific English terms in your signing. I think that's because I grew up with teachers who simcommed. So I followed that structure, which is more English-based. And I didn't realize that until I went to Gallaudet University and I noticed that my ASL style was different than most of the students. And I was like, oh, but that's how I was raised. I mean, it's not wrong or anything. It's just what's a part of me growing up. And then in Gallaudet, I channeled more ASL and became more fluent that way. So that was my upbringing, which was English, meaning auditory, talking, that structure. And I still had my insecurities about English sometimes, like, are my tenses still good? Are they right, wrong? I don't know. But more than anything, I question my ASL skills. I am not sure, am I good? Am I good enough? So it's a topic that's really interesting for me because I unpack more about myself and my upbringing through learning ASL and the different modes of communication. And I think ASL is an umbrella for many different modes of communication. And that's why a lot of people always feel hesitant. Like, am I fluent enough because I'm more English and not, or am I not ASL enough? Because there's a lot of different layers within our language. Plus, we don't have access to classes at an early age. so. You don't really know the exact ASL rules and the specific foundations until later on in college. In ASL, not every deaf child is born to the language. Some don't learn until they're 16 or even older or at the age three. So the variety of access to that language causes a lot of layers of being capable of using the language. And it's interesting, while you feel insecure with ASL, I still to this day feel insecure with English. Even though I had access to education, I learned it. I took English classes every year, and it will still always be my second language. And no matter how hard I work to make sure that my written English looks perfect, when I give it to a hearing person, they still make edits. And that makes me insecure. Like, Am I not fluent in English writing or, and what's funny is when I give it to that person, I'll give it to another hearing person and they still make edits. <laughs> so it's to the point where I'm like, okay, um, what? <laughs> Again, everyone knows how complicated English can be. And so I just always wondered if I had access to ASL classes growing up and learning the structure of my original first language, I might be able to apply the ASL structure to English structure to understand the translation process better than having it being lectured to me and saying, this is the way it's done. You need to use this tense because that's just the rule and so be it. So the process of translating from ASL to English is a totally different journey. And I'm wondering, when you read and write in English, do you translate it in your mind ASL to English? Or how do you write in English. 
It's funny because I never thought of that until you and I did that college presentation and somebody in the audience asked me that and it really made me analyze it. And you and I looked at each other because you and I are so opposite. When I read English, I, okay, I do receive the English text because I read English and then I process the information and translate it into ASL in my mind. And then when I write English, I do think ASL in my mind and then translate it into written English. Interesting. So it takes you a little bit longer to write in English because you have to process it in ASL first and people don't realize that. Right. And when you told me when you were in college and you're taking grad school classes, it took you a little bit longer to write your paper than other hearing students because you had to translate it into another language because you are bilingual. You had to translate your native language to your second language. Right. And then when I translate it, I would read it again, make edits and keep editing. And then until I felt like it was good English and I give it to a hearing person and they still make edits. <laughs> so the process of that takes forever. Well, for me, it's the opposite. You are an expert in reading English text and translating quickly into sign language. Well, it's a struggle for me. I read the English text and it takes me a while to translate into ASL because it's my second language. So it's interesting. Like, for example, I translate songs. That's what I love to do. But I notice I do approach many other people within the deaf community and ask for their advice and their opinion because I want to make sure my ASL is perfect for the general deaf community. And I want to make sure that I perfect my signs because it takes me a while to read in English and translate to ASL while you are the complete opposite. And I caught you saying... ASL is your second language, but sometimes it is your native language. So how do we identify if that's your second language or not? Because by stating that, it makes you question on how good you are in ASL when you should not, because you are deaf and ASL is a language for a lot of deaf people. So it is also your native language. It's just that you didn't learn it when you were born. Right. So it's still your native language, even though you learned it later on in life. So is that considered your second language? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I'm not sure what the right answer to that is because I still am insecure about it. And also, depending on the situation I'm in, my language changes. And that's interesting because a lot of people look at that and say, why are you channeling when you could just pick one language? Well, for me, it, again, my upbringing was different. I learned through SimCom and my comfort level as a deaf person changes depending on the situations I'm in. For example, if I'm in the hearing world with only hearing people, I tend to talk and not sign. But if I'm in the deaf world with only deaf people, I sign and I'm comfortable with that. But when both worlds are together, my comfort is sim calming. And a lot of people don't like that. Well, a lot of people in the deaf community will look at that and say that's not right because they tend to. And we had that really tough conversation the other day because with my upbringing, I'm not a huge fan of sim calming. The overall reason being because when people sim calm, one language becomes secondary, it lacks. So, and usually when people send calm, it's not which language is secondary. It's always ASL. And like you said, you sign more English. And so the 
actual ASL language is gone and you channel your science more into English context. And so in my eyes, you're accommodating the hearing audience more so than the deaf audience when both worlds are combined. But again, you and I had that conversation and I acknowledge that you grew up with that and you learned that way with your receptive skills growing up. And it's tough for you to just take that all out and sign within both worlds. And so it's all about perspective. And I'm realizing that that's how I see it, but you grew up that way and that's your comfort zone. So how do we work together as two deaf women? And that is the conversation that I never had with the deaf community to really unpack and look at people's upbringings with SimComming, even though oftentimes we suffer with ASL lacking within SimComming. It's funny too, because when I went to Gallaudet, my ASL changed, it got better. And I noticed my SimComming became more fluid with ASL again. It's a comfort level that I have, and it's weird because I can't just turn it off when I am in both worlds. I tried to before, and I just felt so out of place. And I'm still unpacking that to this day, and I think it's a part of being human. We all have to unpack ourselves and figure out why that is. But I do identify as deaf, and I am a part of the deaf community, and I strongly believe that I am deaf, even though I'm insecure with my ASL sometimes. But I think overall... My comfort level is valid as a deaf individual. Yeah, I agree. And that's also tough for me to be more lenient and understanding. And I'm working on that because in my eyes, when I see a person simcoming, because maybe both worlds are together, it makes me feel like I'm not important enough or I'm lessened as a person because the ASL is gone. And of course, when a hearing person is talking to multiple deaf people who are signing, but once they hear somebody who's able to talk, they immediately attract to the person who's speaking because that's their comfort zone. So that lacks the ability of me connecting with the hearing person. And that's a struggle. But again, being friends with you, I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you were raised. And how can I continue fighting for my rights and continue fighting for my accessibility and my need of sign language to communicate and break down those barriers and allow you to have access to your needs too? Because SimComing is the way that you grew up. The deaf world, there's so many layers to it. And so the bottom line is, how are you able to open up and have this in-depth conversation? And I mean, we had this for hours and hours and we did not come up with any solution. There was no right or wrong answer. And it's just, this is how I was raised and this is how you were raised. And we still happen to be best friends and we work together to empathize. Yeah. And to figure out the empathy we have. And I hope other people within our community have the ability to empathize with everyone because everyone's upbringing is so different and everyone's journeys are so different. And learning to accept that person and acknowledge the different backgrounds and the different needs people have, it's really the whole point of a beautiful place to live in and trying to create a safe place for all deaf people, no matter how they were raised. Right. Beautifully said. Yeah. And I think the language itself, there's a lot of unpacking to do within it. But one fun tip for you guys that you might not know is that ASL is not a universal language. And then people think, well, wouldn't it be easier for ASL to be a universal language? But 
you have to understand from our perspective. Hearing people have the opportunity to learn Japanese, Spanish, another spoken language. But the deaf community also wants to learn that language too. So the fact that we have other sign languages, we had the opportunity to learn their language and culture and understand their language. It amazes me when hearing people ask, ASL is a universal language, right? And I say, no. And they're just shocked. They're like, but, but why not? It would just be easier if sign language was the same across the board. And I'm like, I mean, that's effective for you, but for us, it's about the culture too. And other countries have their own culture. So why do we have to be the same? So again, it just amazes me to see hearing people's reactions. Sometimes they're like, oh, there is more to, to sign language than just the language. Yeah. And it's such a beautiful thing, especially when I played on the national team for volleyball, I had the opportunity to travel the world and meet other athletes and learn their sign languages. And I learned how to spell my name in five different sign languages. And it was amazing to meet them and have that connection through language. And it's easy to connect with them. Even though we signed another language, it was, we were able to gesture and find that bond. It was such a wonderful thing. And as a deaf person, I am very, I love my language so much to where I hate seeing people take American Sign Language for granted or just saying, wow, ASL is just so beautiful without really digging deeper into the language and understanding the beauty of the culture behind it. Yeah, especially when it comes to like name signs, for example. If you didn't know in the deaf community, that's a huge part about our culture. A deaf person gives you a name sign. And we really cherish that because it's based on the person's personality, their looks, but it really shows you who that person is. And a deaf person has to give you a name sign. And that's the biggest part about our culture that we really value. And sometimes you'll get a hearing person who might be taking an ASL one class or they're learning about name signs and they find a random deaf person be like, oh my God, I know sign too. Can you give me a name sign? Without really understanding the depth and value of being given a name sign and what that truly means. It means that you're investing time to really understand and to really want to be a part of something, a community, and it's not a temporary thing. So really understanding that and not taking that for granted just because you need a random deaf person or you're learning sign. Yay, I deserve a name sign. No, I completely agree. And I always struggle with that. I'm like, Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that, but respect the language and the culture and be a part of it more. If you're a part of it a lot, then maybe you will get that name sign. You know, don't just run up to a random deaf person and ask for one. I mean, just no. And I hope that inspires you guys to want to get involved into the deaf community and learn ASL because it's such a beautiful culture to be a part of. And not only that, but for us in the deaf community, we need to analyze the different layers of ASL and modes of communication and how people were raised and how they learned ASL. Some people are experts at storytelling in ASL and some people aren't quite at that level, but it doesn't mean that ASL is not their language. It is, you know? Yeah. And I think if we remove that expectation that you have to meet that level of ASL, 
I think it will welcome a lot more people who identify themselves as deaf and it will welcome them to our community. So it's just a shame that we live in a society where it puts us in a position of who has more privilege or how we need to be to fit into the community itself. So, yeah. Well, there's a lot of unpacking to do and a lot of looking within ourselves and really understanding where everyone's coming from. And again, we are just two deaf women with our own upbringings. And that does not mean everyone's the same. And I hope you guys can hear other wonderful deaf people's stories too, because everyone is so different. And it's really fun, but tough when we get all those questions talking about ASL and the language. And we end up having these deep conversations about how we can be vulnerable and talk about this. Because again, your feelings are valid. You feel insecure about being able to talk about your own native language because you didn't learn it until later in life. But ASL is my language and I didn't learn English until later. And I'm insecure about English. So you and I are sitting in the same room and talking about it, which I think is a beautiful thing for us to be able to really unpack and for you guys to listen to this. Again, there's no solution to this except for being understanding and listening to other people and their stories. Yeah. So if you want to submit your questions, please email us at questions at whatthedeaf.com. And follow us on Instagram at whatthedeaf. And subscribe to our podcast. Rate, review, comment. We would love to hear your feedback and any other questions you have. See you next week. Next week. Bye, guys. Bye.